guys saw a porno mag with two dudes giving head. How can a fat ass land a boy in bed? Well, what do you kids like? They love clowns. Handcuffed trick. Ellen, now these boys go down and tie them up. Use all their holes. Fill this crossbase with a bunch of kids' souls. Well, we got the Fourth Amendment, you fucking swine. Gonna need a warrant to come inside. I can help you, son, cause I love the law. Smells like death in the space I crawl. Woo! <laughs> Welcome to another week, another deep serial killer series on Death Metal. <laughs> John Wayne Gacy part two, buddy. I'm excited. We did part one. We came in. We told you about a young John Wayne Gacy, where it all went wrong, how his life fell apart. This week, we're going to go deeper into what was going on with John Wayne Gacy during the murders. How was he getting away with so many? What was he doing to keep it hidden? Then next week, we'll move on to the trial and things of that nature. It's been a great series. It's going to continue to be a great series. I'm happy to be here with Buddy Lloyd. Yeah, buddy. (laughs) Uh, First things first, we got to talk about some business. Thank you guys so much for continuing to give us some kick-ass five-star iTunes reviews this week. That certainly helps out the podcast more than you could imagine. It sounds so simple, but it helps so much. So if you can donate your time a little bit, just jump on iTunes or wherever you receive your podcast from, give us a quick five-star review and type something in there, anything you want. You don't need to make us look cool. We already are having a great time with our egos as is. So you could say something like, fuck Sam Talent. You can tell us where goes your favorite band. Anything, any words, that just helps us climb up the charts. And that's what we're trying to do. Prove to all the podcasts that a death metal podcast can actually go all the way up the charts. Nobody's doing what we're doing and we want to show the world. You don't you know even got to fucking like death metal. No. You don't got to like metal at all. Absolutely not. If this is your first time tuning in, what we do here at Death Metal Dicks is we take heinous true crimes, sometimes paranormal events, and we compare those to our favorite death metal songs. All we do is play a little snippet at the top, a little snippet at the bottom, and tell you what song it is so you can go explore the lyrics yourself. But we dig deep, do good research, spend hours finding out every detail that we can about crimes that interest us. So if you love true crime and someone told you about this podcast as your first time tuning in, you're in the right place. Yes. And I'm a comedian. Buddy's a greaseball. We say some terrible things. It's all in jest. It's not a... uh, Shocking thing by any nature. We're not near as bad as... Well, to some. <laughs> to some. That's true. That's a fair point. But the thing is, with true crime shows and reporting, you're so used to hearing that stale, well, this is what happened to the body on July 31st. He snuck in the room and ejaculated into the man's toupee. We don't do that type of true crime reporting. We do it in a way more fun way. You remember whenever fucking Taco Bell introduced that fucking... I don't know what the hell it was, but they were like, zesty... Yeah. That's us, man. Yeah, we're, we're zesty as hell. We're, we're zesty, zesty true crime reporters. You're zesty fucking right about boys. that. 
But hey, man, those iTunes reviews help so much. If you like what you're hearing, just jump on iTunes. Give us a quick five-star review. And a lot of our listeners have done that already. We appreciate that, and we would love to keep that momentum rolling uh, because the more we get, the better it is for us on the business side of things. Some people that love the show have gone so far as to really help us out in a direct way by getting on patreon.com backslash deathmetaldicks. Heads up to everybody. I'm going to be reworking some of the tiers because I've got some better ideas on what we could do to help you guys out. We just ordered shirts, so if you're on that tier of patron where you were helping us earn shirts, hey, thank you guys so much. We did it. We're going to send you a, your shirt, so that's yeah. going to be fucking awesome. We've gotten stickers. We've gotten shirts. It's been great. Patreon really helps us out, and what Patreon is is a way to directly connect with artists. You donate money to us, and we give you something in return. If you're a fan of the show, it's perfect. Some people don't like a subscription service like Patreon. That's totally fine. Every single dime we've received helps us out so much, makes us feel so good that we are putting out a product that makes people want to contribute to it. And that's what drives us to be better, not just the money, but the idea that we ended up making something so good that people want to be involved. So if you don't like a subscription service, you would like to use PayPal, you can donate to us, deathmetaldicks at gmail.com. And we really, I mean, people say they always... Thank you so much from the bottom of our hearts. We really mean it, man. Thank you guys so much for donating to us. It helps us tremendously. Uh, we'll shout everybody out at the end of the podcast who helps us with these things. Deathmetaldicks at gmail.com if you prefer PayPal. You can also hit me up if you like to do Venmo more. We're available on all social media. Our producer, Mark, runs a fabulous podcasting company called Cantankerous Media Group. We would appreciate it if you would like them across all social media. Check out his podcast, Epizootics of the Blowhole. And also, you can talk to us on any social media. I brought that up this week, especially because we started a group on Facebook, which seems like the coolest way to go because it kind of just makes Facebook your own thing, you know? So we got a Facebook group. It's called Death Metal Dicks. It's public. You just click on it. Click on Add Group. It asks you three questions. Importantly, it says, why do you want to join the group? Just say you listen to the podcast. Boom, we'll add you, and you're in. We have a good time there. Uh, actually, we just started it, so I don't know if we have a good time. I got a feeling it's going to be our downfall, buddy. Somebody's going to start posting some terrible things in a Facebook group, and that's going to be I mean, how we get brought down. I'm the wrong person to complain about. I like that <laughs> shit. No, nah, it's cool. Uh, we've been having fun, but the Facebook group's a great way to connect with us directly because uh, ever since we started doing this podcast, all my social media, I mean, my Facebook especially, is maxed out on friends, so I can't really... You can add me, and then when somebody gets tired of me and deletes me, it'll pop up in my thing, but... The Facebook group, we can directly, we post what we're listening to. You guys post what you're listening to. It's a ton of fun. So join us on there, the Death Metal Dicks in Facebook groups. And that's it, advertise-wise. I'm ready to hop back in, John Wayne Gacy. First thing I got to clear up with John Wayne is that I got too drunk last week. We drank a big cup of wine on the way up, and I skipped an entire page of information. <laughs> Real dumb. Uh, so I just wanted to go back. There's a couple of details that are really important to the John Wayne Gacy story that you could easily skip past if you were doing a condensed version, but we're doing a detailed version. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I'm trying to get everything captured to really help everyone understand exactly who John Wayne Gacy is, where he came from, what led to him killing, because that's what fascinates me about serial killers. I want to find out what happened. Where did that filter go that they were able to overcome and decide to go ahead and kill and then continue that multiple times. So uh, 
one of the most important details I skipped is that what we were talking about in Gacy's childhood is he had an abusive father, very overbearing, didn't like the way that John Gacy was. And when I say that, he basically, he was super effeminate and his dad did not like that. He wanted him to play sports. He had some health issues. So it was a strained relationship between John Wayne and his dad. I mean, he was named John Wayne after the actor. They expected a very manly child and he just wasn't that. He hung out with his mom and his sisters, liked to sew clothes and his dad hated that. He wanted a fishing buddy, but John Wayne Gacy was not that. So he got out of his home life immediately. His dad was also abusive. When he bailed on his family right after high school, he went to Las Vegas and uh, buddy kind of brought that up because his dad had given him a car we talked about that last week, right? How John Wayne yeah. Gacy's dad gave him a car but was real controlling about it. Yeah. Um, so he drove to Vegas, and he ended up getting a job as a janitor in a mortuary. And he, I don't know if it was a promotion, but they ended up calling him a mortuary assistant, which I think is basically a glorified janitor, probably just cleaning up more direct bodily fluids. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. And he worked there for about a year, And then he quit himself because one night he felt compelled. He saw a body and he decided to dress it up himself because, you know, that's what a mortuary does. They take the body, drain it of its fluids, make it to where it's going to be preserved for a funeral and then dress it up, put makeup on it, clothing on it, make it look as close to being alive as possible. So you can mourn the dead. I mean, we've all been through that several times. So John Wayne decided to dress up a body himself. And then he decided to snuggle said body he caressed it laid with it rubbed all over it he dressed it up dressed it up and did the clothes he thought was nice <laughs> yeah i'm sure man and you know he probably had good taste because he got all those repressed gay feelings so he probably had like a floral print dress and just rubbed that thing down man oh my god and that creeped him out he said that he scared himself and so he immediately quit that job left back to chicago and then before he started working at the Nun Bush Shoe Company, which is such a cool name for shoes, Nun Bush. Yeah, that's before it's time, man. Because that's was a in. good, yeah, that's a great war metal band name, Nun Bush. <laughs> yeah, we gotta yeah. see that Nun Bush. You try to keep it a secret. You think nuns nuns don't shave, right? There's no reason to. What's the purpose? Yeah, I mean it's, dude, that's a big son of a bitch. Just a big hairy godmuff. It's like undercover brother, man. It's I'm just, sure the pubes start to like grow in too, right? Like, no, nah, man. They fuck. Oh, you mean like over the waistband? No, I mean like in the hole, like in the vag. Pubes, like when they get out of control. I don't know. I don't have. It's like swamp thing, but if it was a woman. Yeah, I mean they they get powerful and then they start to curl. And they go in. That's just what I'm guessing. That's what I'm thinking. That that's nun bush to me. You know, it's like a, a big scratcher, but for your <laughs> pussy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's a service a nun can provide. That's non-sexual. You just fucking. Sister Marjorie, I've got an itch that nothing can scratch. Could you possibly remove thine holy knickers? God, dude, just somebody <laughs> just spreading their legs real wide and doing squats up and down against your back. It feel great with that a would butt feel with good. a big old it, thick lush mane of pubes. I mean, the right type of dude would get fucking turned on. I mean, I, anything that's like sacrilegious. Well, not a priest because they're gay for boys, so there's no way they're gonna get turned for on. For me, I mean, like, <laughs> hey, like. Fucking Nunbush, that's hot, dude. Yeah, but, yeah I mean, yeah, yeah, merciful yeah, fate. Yeah. That's very blasphemous. Very blasphemous. Called Nunbush? No, it's called Nuns Have No Fun. But they do if they scratch oh, your back. Oh yeah, man, back scratching ass nuns, dude. I bet King Diamond pound a nun or two. They probably came out to see what it was all about, and then he just 
and they like, fucking yeah, man, they popped like, them oh. off. <laughs> so his face paints just like what we wear. <laughs> God, dude, he yeah. fucking presented them with a holy rosary. Hey, man, King Diamond's <laughs> wife is actually hot. Of course, dude. You know how much tang that King Diamond has swam through over the years. I mean, millions, dude. King yeah. Diamond, I mean, that's a sleeper because a lot of Americans don't think about King Diamond. You think about, if you think about, like, the top boners, like, the top people that have boned. It's you, not, it's not. King Diamond might be up there. No, nah, he's not because in America, but you, I'm thinking of a worldwide scope. You think about, yeah. like, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Kareem. Robert Plant. Plant. Um, who else has fucked a lot? Magic Johnson. Lemmy. Lemmy fucked a lot. Fucking Vince Neil, dude. Vince Neil. All those dudes, but dude, King Diamond, way better looking, way better voice. And he had that whole aesthetic. I guarantee he's got some Kareem numbers. I mean, for think sure. about it, dude. Rich. Yeah, he brought cream cheese danishes into gas stations. That's how good he is at fucking. <laughs> yeah, man. What's this flavor I've tasted? It's from a Danish guy. I've got an idea. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, man, he came back, he graduated business college, and then he started working at Nunbush, which of course is where he met his first wife. We talked all about that in episode one. If you haven't listened to episode one yet, you gotta go back. Uh, Also, you'll remember the first criminal offense that John Wayne Gacy was charged with was molesting Donald Voorhees, who is one of his co-Jacy's sons, a politician's son, and he kept it as a secret for a while because Gacy had threatened him with mafia. Gacy had threatened him um, with nobody believing the kid. And Gacy gave him $50 to be quiet. Well, the kid thought about it for a while and, of course, turned John Wayne Gacy in. Well, on the page that I skipped, Donald Voorhees had actually been beaten up. Now, what John Wayne Gacy did, even when he was just a JC, but this is what basically fueled him to open the company that he has now. He would hang out with a bunch of young kids by way of paying them to do odd jobs because there's no reason for a teenager to hang out with a weird fat 30 something year old man. I would not have when I was a teenager, even if he had porns and stuff like that, I just wouldn't be with it. However, if he paid me to like clean the brush out of his yard, but paid me way more than he should have, I would definitely would have done that. And then you could have gotten sucked into the other stuff because you were already over there doing some dumbass chore for way more money then you should have been getting for that dumbass chore. And money, when you're 16, 17 years old, is a big deal because, you know, it's hard to keep a full-time job, go to school, all that. It's easy for, I mean, my grandparents' friends used to pay me to do yard work. And let me tell you something, I would do the shittiest job. I mean, I would go over to these old people. They would be old people from their church and they would pay me to come like clear out, brush from their yard, rake, cut old vines. And I did... Not ju- I went above and beyond to do the least amount possible to where they could just look out of their window into the yard and say, it's all right, I guess, and hand me like a cool 50 spot did you and do get the, the fuck old, out of there. Did you do the old fucking tarp where you like put the leaves on the top of the ground? <laughs> yeah, of course. Oh, yeah. I did the same I did all types shit. of dumb shit, man. I had plenty of schemes on those old people. It wasn't really a scheme. It was just I'm not good at that stuff. Yeah. I, I was lazy as hell. And I knew I could get away with it. So that would all happen. I wasn't doing it maliciously. I just could not be bothered to do 20 hours of fucking yard work when I could do three and get paid the same thing for it. You know what I mean? It's a flat rate, baby. You ain't paying me hourly. This is what you're going to get. But that's what he was doing, paying kids to hang out with him. So he paid a bunch of kids to beat up 
Donald Voorhees. Well, when Donald Voorhees got beat up, that's when he went and told his father. His father immediately called police. I'm sorry. I fucked that up again. What I told you about last week is that he told his father, his father called police and police immediately arrested him. That's not quite what happened. He called police. Police didn't exactly believe him. They had no understanding of why John Wayne would do that. What they thought of John Wayne was that he was like a playboy because remember him and his wife were swingers. They were going out all the time. He was a popular guy in the community. Nobody would hang out with a fucking pedophile. Even back then it would be shunned. He couldn't be a JC. He couldn't be like a community guy. If he was into kids, he would be kicked out and he was having all those stag parties. People loved to party with John Wayne and plus everybody knew that him and his wife were swingers. So what they thought in their mind is that he was out there banging random women all the time. They didn't believe. And then once the kid got beat up, his dad called again. Remember his dad's a politician and really went down on the hard on the police and had evidence of the kid getting beat up. There's a motive And that is when he got brought in and then charged with sodomy. And like I said, after that, a bunch of kids came forward. He only ended up catching the one charge. That's when he was in prison. That's what we were talking about, him being the chef in jail, using the spices and helping the prisoners out, cooking a nice Christmas dinner there. You get what you eat. You get what you eat. Yeah, we talked all about that last week. So where we left off at is when he killed his second kid. Now, he's basically working his system out. He's began using the rope. He's going to improve the rope system by adding a stick to the rope. So, a lot of times when we've gone into serial killers, I've gone through every single victim. I don't think that's particularly necessary. All these kids were basically killed the same way. I've got a few to report on because different circumstances happened, but for the most part, all of these 33 kids... The first kid got stabbed. The second one got bound with a rope and he twisted it. Well, he's going to improve that by sticking a stick in the rope and twisting it on one side and using his hand on the other side, making basically a tourniquet to halfway squeeze their damn head off. And that's the John Wayne Gacy system. He has it down to a science. He doesn't deviate. It's working for him. And what we're going to talk about is how he comes up with ways to hide the bodies and what he's got going on with his life between now and then. Now, Some of the things you're going to hear this week are going to cross over into next week. Next week, we're going to do the trial, and that's when we'll break into a lot of details of the particular things you hear. So you may double hear it, but when you hear it next week, it's going to be what came up in the trial. So if you hear something this week and you think, well, there was a lot more to that, yeah, you'll hear it next week because that's going to be when he was giving his testimony about it. All right. So this week, what we're going to do is talk about, first of all, um, Pogo's origin when he came up with the clown you know we had talked about how he was managing kentucky fried chickens he's doing well in his community trying to be a politician type of character um and then one thing what basically what he was doing almost constantly is coming up with ways to volunteer in the community and we talked last week about how he would volunteer a lot but when he did it was always with the motive to get his name out and make a bigger persona for himself the psychopath thing. Yeah. He wanted to get his name in the paper. He wanted everyone to know that John Wayne Gacy was a great guy and was a community leader. So he's willing to go the extra mile. Well, if you were looking at this from the outside without knowing he kills kids, another thing he did into that was volunteer as a clown. And he came up with this character called Pogo the Clown. And when he says that when he made Pogo the Clown, he regressed into childhood. Yeah. He became a kid himself. So he was really good 
at being a clown because when he would go to parties, when he would go to hospitals, he would totally be in character. No space in between. A real professional, he would just be acting like a kid because basically he's a kid at this point. Separating from reality. Exactly. Totally broken off. He became an entirely different character, an entirely different human when he was poker the clown. He was simply that. Now, John Wayne Gacy started having marital problems again the second time. And of course, it's it's really hard to be married when you're a homosexual, you know? Like you marry women and uh this is the 70s, so you're frowned upon if you're openly gay. That's just that, especially in Chicago. That's a real masculine area, you know? That's a tough hard Midwest. There's not a lot of showing your feelings people being empathetic towards it's like bricklayers, union workers, hard ass dudes with calluses on their hands that shouldn't be jacking off other hand dicks. You know what I mean? Yeah. So basically the marriage starts to crumble. You know, he's with the, he's living with those two girls. Um, he goes away on a business trip. He takes a fucking kid with him because, you know, he's got his own company. And again, what he's doing with his company is he's hiring kids to come help him with work. So it's almost an entire masking of having this corporation just so he can hang around kids. They're doing easy jobs. You know, he contracts the services out and then he'll paint a rental house or he'll maintain a lawn, just simple day-to-day maintenance man shit. And he's having kids help him with it. He gets to pay him less. It gives the kids a job, but ultimately he wants to be around these young boys. He goes to Florida with one of his employees, he rapes the boy on the trip. They come back into town, and uh, the boy says he's never going to talk to John Wayne Gacy again, but then he goes home, stews about it, gets super pissed, and uh, is in his head about it. You know, it's not something you could easily confide in your parents or your friends. You have to live with these feelings, like this gross, grown man just had sex with me against my will. And he gets enraged, jumps in his car, comes to his house, bangs on the door till he comes out, and then kicks John Wayne's fucking ass right in the front lawn. Yeah, it's cool as shit. I didn't do that before. The kid? Well, the you know, Gacy's method is getting kids drunk. That's a lot of what he does. He took the boy on vacation out and got him hammered drunk. When you're a teenager, you can't buy liquor. That's one of the perks. That's what I was saying before. It's like he pays you to be around him by doing jobs. Yeah. And then a benefit to that for a kid is that he will also give you liquor, show you porns. I mean, that's the move. Like he gets you drunk, puts a porn on and then you're hammered drunk and he's a grown man. It's hard to resist. You know what I mean? Yeah. So they're fighting in the front lawn. He gets beat up. He comes inside. His wife asks him what the fuck's going on. He tells his wife, Carol, that the fight they got in was over money. The, the kid thought he should have got paid more for the trip of Florida. Carol believes it, but around the same time, her and John Wayne have been fighting a lot about money. They haven't had sex in over six months. And she keeps finding his stash of gay porno mags, throwing them out, asking him what the hell's going on. Then he'll buy more. Remember, he confided in her before that he's bisexual. But since they're not having sex, that is leading her to think that he's totally into men. And plus the thing with the kid. And then one day, Gacy totally loses his mind because she went out and spent like 200 bucks. He's got a ton of money. It's just a tension that's built up between them. So she gets the hell out of there, gets a divorce, takes the daughters with her. So now he's got that ranch house that his mom used to live in and moved out of to let her move in all to himself. It's a pretty decent sized house. 
this is when he starts bringing in kids as like roommates. So ones that are working for him, doing a lot of labor, they can live with him. And he kind of does that one at a time. One of the more famous ones that he brings in is uh, David Cram. I'll get right back to that in one second. Cram. Cram. Yeah, it's a funny word. <laughs> um, so right after the divorce, John Wayne basically spins it in his favor. You know, that's how he does things. He's so good at making himself always look like he's on the up and up in the community. He tells everyone in his crew like, Hey, you know, we got a divorce. It's just kind of one of those things where I want to succeed. I'm working so much to try to make myself better, make money, make a better life for us. But she wants me to be home more, but I can't be home more because we're not going to have money in the future. I do the hard work now. And then in the future, we have a ton of cash, which I guess is a consistent argument amongst couples. So everyone believes that it's not like divorce is abnormal during this time. And he meets Robert F. Matwick, who's the Democratic Township Committee for Norwood Park. Gacy volunteers the company to clean up and repair Democratic Party headquarters. Matwick notices that because he's using these kids to do tons of work. They're straightening up parks, painting the community center, cleaning up Democratic headquarters. So he gives Gacy a job on the street lighting committee, which I guess is basically taking care of the street lamps, which his company does. And he's doing good at that. So then he becomes secretary treasurer, but that doesn't last long because John Wayne Gacy can't stop his urges for fucking boys. Now, this boy, Tony Antonucci, is working at the Democratic office while they're working on it. Gacy keeps trying to be a creep with Tony. Hey, man, why don't you come on over and uh, have a couple of drinks and maybe we can fool around. He's like, shut up, you fat, weird fuck. I'm not going to have sex with you. I'm a teenager. This is weird. And he's like, hey, let me see your dick. <laughs> let me see those abs. Ha-ha, <laughs> you look really strong. Like messing around with him. And then Tony Antonucci threatens John Wayne Gacy with a chair. He's like, you come... Anywhere near me again, I'm going to smash this fucking chair on your head. And everyone in the office sees this outbreak. And then Gacy plays it off and makes a joke. Well, I'm just kidding with the boy. I'm just fooling around, fiddly-diddling me, old Pogo the Clown, pokety-dokety. And that situation breaks up. A little bit of time passes. And then Gacy ends up trying to pay Anatucci to come over to his house and do a job. Comes over there, starts drinking with him. Then Gacy says, hey, you know, I'm a clown, right? The kid's like, yeah, I know you're a clown. You got some weird shit going on. He's like, all right, you got to check this magic trick out. He's like, all right, I'll check your magic trick out. So he breaks out the handcuffs. Starts to handcuff Anatucci. Anatucci's pretty smart. He uses his wrist somehow to make sure the handcuffs aren't put on super tight. He can't lock them in all the way. And uh, once Gacy turns the switch on, he yanks the cuffs off. Turns out, Tony Antonucci is a state wrestling champion, smashes John Wayne Gacy. I mean, kicks his fucking ass, double legs him, smacks him around, kicks him, puts John Wayne Gacy in the handcuffs. Gacy's crying and begging for mercy, but uh, Antonucci doesn't give a shit, beats him up a little bit more, and then lets Gacy go if if Gacy promises to him that he'll never, ever fuck with him again. Let's him go? What do you mean, let's him go? Let's Gacy go. Oh, okay. Like he t- lets Gacy, he's got Gacy in handcuffs. He hand, he pins Gacy, beats him up, handcuffs Gacy. 
and then lets him go after, which, you know, he shouldn't have. <laughs> but He marked Schultz that motherfucker. Yeah, he Schultz that ass, man. He fucking <laughs> beat the shit out of that silly bitch. Um, and it's important to note, again, I'm not going to go through all the victims like I normally do because they all died the same way. At this point, there's already 19 dead boys in John Wayne Gacy's crawl space. Now, you may wonder how did Gacy fit so many bodies in his crawl space? Well, again, he's got a labor company. He's got outside help. He has hired our man, David Cram, to fill the crawl space up. He or to dig, dig the holes in the crawl space and then extra graves beyond that. So what his entire job is, he's living in the house and he gets him to hire he gets him to dig graves. But he's calling the graves trenches for pipe. He gets them marked out and tells him, Hey, David, dig this specific area out. And Cram says that he's real creepy about that. He keeps coming downstairs and harassing him about how long it's going to take him to dig the hole. Is a pain in the ass every time he does it because he doesn't want him messing around down there. Because if he dug somewhere else, he's going to find one of these bodies. Yeah. And uh, what John Wayne Gacy was doing to keep the smell from coming is pouring concrete and lye over the bodies. Lime. Lime. Why did lime. I say lie? Lie is the shit from Fight Club. Lie is the shit they put on you uh, to get rid of. Uh, it like makes they it de- soap. They delouse you whenever you go yeah. to prison. It, it's yeah, the shit it from makes, Fight Club, yeah. right? You pour it on your hand and you get a burn. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, lime. You're right. It, and, and that is what keeps the smell out. That's a classic trope, too. It's like you bury a body, you cover it up with lime and concrete, so that yeah. way the smells get out. And uh, he's continuously buying that. That's going to come up later, of course. Um, so the kid, I guess, is not noticing the smell, but he's really weirded out about the whole thing anyway. He's living there with goofy-ass John Wayne, which I can't even imagine that. I mean, the guy is a silly bitch. Wait, one thing that I don't understand that we had been talking about off the air is so many serial killers, ones that we've done, um, ones that we've heard about, known about all of our lives, are so smart, so cunning, have ingenious ways to cover up the crimes that they're perpetrating go out of their way to formulate plans go out of their way to come up with all these pre-plotted out foolproof ways to make this murder happen john wayne gacy's kind of fucking dumb man he's not that smart of a guy i think he's dumb in the in the grand scheme of things as far as today goes but there was no real way to track serial killers so you have to think that like basically that dude got a position or he went to college without graduating high school Yes. So in that time well, period. Well, I mean, it's like community college. I mean, basically, you know, you yeah, get silly yeah, yeah. that now. Yeah. And so, I mean, even like, you know, getting the fucking ranks up in three KFCs. I mean, yeah. and, and then being the fucking mm, That main. doesn't make you smart. No. I don't want you. I'd see, this is the no, problem no, no. here, buddy, is that yeah, you're yeah. going <laughs> to give well, me then, opinion on it. But, be smart but or then not. he's like, <laughs> no, no, no. It's not, it's not a traditional kind of smart. It's a manipulative yeah. kind of smart. Oh, yeah. No, he's super manipulative. And yeah, you're right. We're not at the point. I mean, I mean, there is a profiling now, but it's not completely instituted you know it's not like a well-known thing they still aren't looking for serial killers in the the right way no so yeah pattern's hard to notice i mean all these kids are being reported missing but he's just so fucking dumb about everything yeah i i mean i i I don't know he got away with it for so long but yeah also also the new way of prof or that whenever before this profiling thing happened this is like kind of they they were trying to figure it out. Yes. And so their whole thing was he's gay, but I don't think he's gay. He's gay as hell. I think that his sexual gay motivation. Gay blue blazes, nah, man. man. His dad called him gay. Yeah. And he was always like, well, you're doing this and this, but mom treated him okay because yeah. she wasn't an alcoholic and whooping his fucking ass and called right. him a faggot and doing all this other stuff. Mm-hmm. And so what happened is he kind of started to believe, like, I want to please my dad, but maybe I am gay. And so then I'm not strong. I have a bad heart. 
I'm gonna I'm gonna fuck the, I'm gonna get these kids drunk that are in shape. I'm gonna fuck them up and I'm gonna kill them because this I is, hate because I hate gays and that's I think that nah, inside of his head that's nah. what he thought. Man, this is like the third time you presented that argument, but yeah, you're not but listening because he's I also am. <laughs> he's I am. getting caught with all types of gay porn. He's uh, going to like orgies and trying to bone yeah. guys. I mean, he's gay, dude. That's just the way. That's just the way it is. I think he's like Andre Chikatilo. He gets Sometimes off on killing people. Are just gay. Yeah, but that's just the way it is. Yeah, but Chikatilo was like eating nards and dongs. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, dude. For sure. <laughs> yeah. But he's also kill- he, he, he wasn't listen, fucking those boys either. I mean, I think it was uh, um, Gacy's cousin and him. They fucking were. In trouble for like raping a girl, they could never prove it. Yeah, oh, I mean he's had sex with girls plenty. He's had he's, wives. I mean yeah. he's out there. He's swinging with different girls. But I mean, you know, he says he's bisexual. But really, at the end of this, there's a lot of motivation pent up with John Wayne Gacy because he's not in a cool time and place to be gay. I'm telling you, from my point of view, a lot of this is of of what you're saying absolutely translates because his father is ashamed. That he's gay. He basically knew he was gay from Jump Street. I mean, you can tell, you know? And his dad is very angry about it. Very aggressive about it. Very upfront about it. And I think that is definitely traumatizing to him. He has these feelings, and he's trying to force himself to repress them on top of being physically and mentally abused for being the way he is. So that comes out violently, mm-hmm. but I don't think that it's because he hates gays. I think it's because he is gay. Now he may hate the fact that he is gay, but the lashing out violently is, I don't think anything to do necessarily because of sexuality. I think that that is, he is a serial killer. He is a killer. He likes to kill. I think being a homosexual is in addition to that. He also likes to rape. He also likes to have sex with men. He remember when his wife gave birth and he sucked that guy off and that guy sucked him off. He's gay, man. Then that's, yeah. that's just what it is. And, and but what you're saying, I absolutely will agree with as far as his father beat him down about that his entire life. So he feels morally wrong about it. He feels wrong about it from the standpoint of his dad doing it to him brought up the way he was and also the climate that he lives in in the 70s Midwest. There's nowhere open to him being who he is. And that is causing him to lash out violently a piece of the puzzle, for sure. But I think he's definitely gay. I think his sexuality is killing people, and especially he gets turned on by the fact that his dad hates gay people. He wants to please his dad. And so that his dad is actually the reason why he kills gay men. And, and, and it's These also, kids aren't gay. It's also a way for him to, to repress the fact that he fucked somebody and then killed them. Because then he's like, oh, yeah, I'm going to punch these gays. That's what, that's, but the kids aren't gay. I know, exactly. They're but just that's, kids. In his mind, they're throwaways. They're trash. You know? Well, that's true. He definitely is like that. I mean, we, we'll talk more about that in the yeah. trial. But that is, and we see this with a lot of serial killers. And that was what was a lot different about Richard Ramirez, is that he didn't see people as people. A lot of serial killers, I mean, we, when we did BTK, this came up because they, every person that they killed, they saw, they can justify it to themselves by seeing them as a drain on society, yeah. a bad person. All the kids that Gacy killed, he saw them as when they grew up, they were going to be a problem for the country. They were bad for America. They weren't model citizens. They were all bad so he did the world a favor by getting rid of them. That's a hundred percent factual. But the kids weren't gay, so to say that it's just not that doesn't math out to me. I mean, he raped the kids because 
he's gay, the kids weren't gay. And also, that's another thing that happens with pedophiles a lot. I mean, especially like a Michael Jackson type of character is when they have a traumatic childhood and their sexuality gets squashed because they feel this way. But when they're a kid, they get beat up for it and they're still kind of stuck at that kid level. So that's probably where his attraction to kids came from, I think, because when he was a teenager, he he hated his life. I mean, there was no positive anything. And he was probably attracted to all these high school boys with nowhere to place that feeling, nowhere to place those emotions. So that definitely welled up into a goddamn nuclear bomb where he had to deal with those feelings. And the way he's dealing with it is by killing teenage kids. I mean, that's definitely yeah. what he's into. He's not into the little kids. But he's not into, like, fat, chubby kids. He's into no, kids that are the kids. opposite of him. Exactly. I, but, I, but that also, yeah. what I'm saying is, is because those would have been, like, the popular kids in a school, the attractive yeah. kids. Like, when you see... Everything is dead worrying. Exactly. Yeah. Correct. That, and and it, all, it all maths up, except I think that he's definitely gay. Yeah. <laughs> that's the only thing that I won't agree with you on that on. But yeah, for sure. I mean, we're taking away at what's making John Wayne Gacy, John Wayne Gacy. So let's get back to David Cram, who's digging graves for John Wayne Gacy. He's renting a room from Gacy. Uh, one night, Cram is hanging out in the living room, and John Wayne comes home hammered drunk. Now, I've been to the bar that John Wayne hung out a lot in Chicago called the L&L. I threw that in those lyrics. It's a pretty rad old dive bar it definitely hasn't changed since he's been in there unless they got new beer coolers would be the only thing it's a dusty drafty just old school what you would literally find in pitchfork as a 10 out of 10 dive bar because it's got this diy we don't need anything fancy everything's made out of wood run down all you want to do here is drink so why mess with anything else why clean why do any of this other dumb shit when you just want to get in here and get drunk for cheap so that's what they do and he sent them a bunch of art from prison which is super cool because he loved the bar i mean it's super cool because you can go see the art there's three or four pieces in there that he drew to them but he used to go in there in pogo Makeup all the time. I guess it was close to the train to, that he took to get home. So you, he would pop in there with his clown makeup after doing a birthday party or something and get drunk and then go home. So he was probably coming from the L&L Tavern and he came in drunk and Cram was sitting in the living room. And he, as Pogo tells Cram like, hey, let's have some drinks. They go to the basement. They have a couple of Mai Tais, which is a hilarious drink to have with a clown. <laughs> he tricks Cram with the handcuff trick. How to do you fall for that? And when he handcuffs him, he says that Gacy is so into this clown character. He's trying to reason with him and tell him like, Hey man, I don't think this is funny. Stop being a clown. He's like, what are you going to do about it? Says he's poking him, like poking him all over his body violently and just, I'm poking you. I'm a poking you. And Cram is uh, trying to fight him. So Cram tries to rush him and he says immediately he sees a switch come out in John Wayne Gacy totally changes. He says his eyes go dead. There's nothing there. And he starts growling at him, which would be a sight to see. And so of course I'm sure at first he thinks it's funny, but he's growling and he grabs cram by the handcuffs and starts slinging him around the room in a circle and starts screaming. I'm going to rape you. I'm going to rape you. I'm going to rape you. Well, Cram falls. He falls on top of Cram. Cram gets on top of him and headbutts him a couple of times. Oh, yeah. Gets out of there and locks himself in his room. And then the next day, Cram, of course, moves the fuck out. 
That's fucking awesome. That's a terrifying encounter, and that gives us a good idea of exactly the methodology he used to kill somebody. Because he can tell us what he did a million times, but he's a manipulative psychopath, sociopath. So what he says, you have to take with a grain of salt. But hearing that firsthand account, just imagine if you weren't able to fight him off. That's fucking terrifying. Yeah. <laughs> That's about as scary as it gets, man. Yeah, fuck, man. And, you know, Gacy, of course, inspired it. He's the fear of clowns. That's where it comes from. Yeah, he's Before the actual that, phobia. Exactly. Yeah. That is the beginning point because a clown is creepy as shit i mean just the idea of it you have a guy that's uh dressing himself and painting his face in one still emotion which of course came about way before there was any type of media that you could transport from one place to another i mean the idea is that you just have this goofball that's supposed to entertain kids by doing old school slapstick comedy it makes sense but at the same time they have one still emotion painted on their face and you can't tell exactly who the person is. And it's usually an adult. And they're trying to entertain kids. That's all creepy in and of itself. But the fact that this guy is just out here slaying kids as a clown. Also, man, think about it like this. He didn't use big round circles in his in his face paint. He used sharp lines to intimidate, to almost have a creepy factor to it. Because right. think about like, you know, when you're like, oh, man, metal is like this. And then you're like, you see, you see like Judas Priest, like, oh, they got some sharp lines. But yeah. when Metallica's logo came out, oh, you saw that yeah. fucking M, you were like, dude, that's intimidating as fuck. Yeah. And it Strong. was because yeah. it was fast sharp. It was whatever. Fast and sharp. So John Wayne Gacy's makeup is like a Metallica M. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Funny John Wayne Gacy note about this time is that he actually met the first lady, Rosalind Carter. I believe it. He uh, was in charge of organizing the Polish Independence Day Parade, which is hilarious. In Chicago, hey there, buddy. You know, when my people came over to this country, let me tell you the things we brought with us. Now, first of all, there was a war going on over there. Okay, now I don't want to get into the ins and outs of it, but perhaps maybe Hitler would have been coming over and taking care of some of the Polish people in a way that you wouldn't have found too savory. <laughs> So what happened is my great-grandma Susan Podaski brought over her famous pierogi recipe there. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. And then she stuffed the pierogies with sausages, and she stuffed the sausages with some of that famous sauerkraut she was making. And boy, did Susan make a sauerkraut. <laughs> what out I went over there for the, for the summer grill out, and I was thinking, man, this is going to be good. But they, they busted out the grill and started boiling some beer. That there was some sausages in that son of a bitch. And I was like, wow, this is crazy. Oh, my God. But let me tell you one thing about the Polish people. They had themselves one hell of an Independence Day. Now, you guys over here has had the 4th of July there. Because what with the George Washington and the wooden teeth and the slavery and the smacking <laughs> kids around and having the wooden teeth that he bit the slaves with. You remember that type of thing, right? Well, in yeah. Poland... What we did over there is sacrifice a goat to a pagan god and then stuff that with a sauerkraut. Yeah, Polsky. And that's the Independence Day, so we're going to celebrate that. And we got this guy, Jean Wayne Gacy. He's going to come along and uh, he's going to put on a good Independence Day festival for you there. Oh, boy. You know, you just get your sausages, you get yeah. your kraut. Yeah. You get your double chocolate fudge cake. Oh, yeah, that's good there. Hey, what's the restaurant I'm thinking of? There's a sausage spot. Oh, Portillo's, dude. Portillo's, dude. Oh, my hey, God. They have a mail I order. I am hard right now. They have a mail order, I dude. go to Chicago enough, it doesn't matter. Hey, 
Speaking of that. Yeah, dude, that's what I'm saying. I knew you were going to get on the same page. I'm going to be in Chicago May 15th through the 20th. I got three or four shows lined up that are real cool. I can't tell you them right now because I can't remember off the top of my head. But if you're going to be out there, let's coordinate and set it all up. Because if you want to come and uh, hang out at a show, that'd be cool. I think that they're all well ran and packed anyway but if you know i'd love to see some fans and also if you know something cool to do or you run a show i i feel like i've got friday saturday and thursday taken care of so if you run a wednesday or you run a sunday maybe i uh, talk to the kid and we can work something out maybe uh, we should we talk- get some definite portillas we'll definitely get a cake shake there and a sausage there and a italian beef there Portillo's has a fucking online store. They dry freeze that shit and send it to you, dude. But, I mean, I eat there like three times, four times a year. I'm good. But what if somebody doesn't have the opportunity to travel and we could just get a sponsorship by Portillo's? (laughs) 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 That'd be so fucking funny. Hey, what's up, dear guys? Yeah, tell you right now, I've been talking about you guys on my true crime death metal podcast, number one death metal podcast in the world. Let me just tell you about the opportunity I got for you here. (laughs) Can't send the food back because Uh, it comes. No complaining. What the fuck? <laughs> uh, yeah, man. Chicago rules. I'm looking forward to it. Looking forward to some fucking Portillos. And I'm catching a cramp right now. But so he brings in Rosalind Carter for this Polish Independence Day parade. I guess she was Polish. I don't know shit about Polish people, and I should. Great metal over oh, there. Yeah. Adraza, man, that rips. Man, rips. Dude. That is a ribbonist. I don't care for Behemoth, but Adraza. Woo! There's a couple other... Ba- uh, Magua. They're yeah. Polish. I mean, Poland's doing things, man. They're really... Didn't uh, hear a cure from the sky from there? No, that's Austria. 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 We literally talked shit. to that guy. <laughs> same shit. Yeah, but my wife is like 75% Polish. Like, her mom's half Polish. Dad's 100% Polish. And uh, I'm not really familiar with the customs and traditions, so that's bad on me. Cool anyway, skirts. Skirts. Polkas, sausage, a polka there. No, that's the Dutch. The Dutch stink. Do they? I don't know, man. I feel like you could talk bad about any white race. You know what I'm saying? If they're white in a country, you could just take a shit on them. Hey, you bowl cut, wood clogged, bad smelling freaks. Well, you're like, ah, man, all they do is eat mayonnaise. That's like egg compasses, all cultures of white culture. They're like, they just love mayonnaise. Yeah. That's a washover, though. Is it? Five, the Polish people got big fucking fingers. You know what I mean? You ever notice that shit? They got a big, I bet they got big old hogs. I'm sure Jackie's dad is fucking smacking around one, dude. But they got huge fingers, man. They're weird. Like a. Like, every Polish person I've ever met, and just people in Chicago in general, have, like, a long, thick finger. Are you comparing them to, like, (laughs) (laughs) E.T.? They're thicker, man. Like a thick, like a fat fucking E.T. Yeah, that works. (laughs) Uh, But, yeah, man, he's uh, hanging out with the first lady. There's a picture of him hugging her. They have an after party. They're in the same room, just hanging out with Rosalind Carter the entire time. Jimmy Carter was a pretty cool-ass president, too. Yeah. You know, and his wife was just out there hobnobbing with old John Wayne Gacy. And, uh, you know, this is when he's the secretary treasurer of the Democratic Party. So it all maths out. And at this point in time, he is committing a murder on average once every three weeks. I mean, he's horny for it. Yeah. Insatiable. He's just going the distance. A lot of the kids that were disappearing, you know, again, 
John Wayne Gacy justifies everything he's doing to himself by saying that they're bad kids. You know, he's hiring them, but they're not all like that. We got Michael Bonin. What are all these... <laughs> Cram and Bonin. <laughs> I hate to laugh at that. He's 17. He enjoyed working with his hands, carpentry and woodworking, and often had several different projects going on at the same time. In June 1976, he almost completed his hobby of restoring an antique jukebox, but because of John Wayne Gacy, the job was never finished. He was on his way to catch his train to meet his stepfather's brother when he vanished. Beerly Carroll, 16 years old, was a longtime troublemaker who had first been in trouble with the authorities at the age of nine. Two years later, he was caught with a damn gun, and he spent most of his life on the streets of Chicago. He made money by arranging meetings between teenage boys and adult men for a commission, so he was pimping out kids, and that's how he met John Wayne. And he came from a very different background than Michael Bonin, and his first victim, another hilarious name, Johnny Butkovich. (laughs) We talked about him last week. (laughs) They all three had one thing in common, John Wayne Gacy. Like the others, Carol disappeared suddenly. He just left his house June 13th, 1976 and was never seen alive again. Gregory Godzik, 17, started working for PDM contractors in order to finance parts for his hobby of his working on his 1966 Pontiac. He considered it an eyesore but was taken over his life because he wanted to restore it into a badass car. The work that he did for Gacy paid well and he liked the job a lot because it was physical and it was aligned with his interests. On December 12th, my birthday, 1976, way before I was born, Gregory dropped his date, a girl he had had a crush on for a while. They went on their first date. He dropped her off at home without boning, which reminds me of that Alan Jackson song. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, way down yonder on the Chattahoochee. It gets hotter than a hoochie-coochie. What, uh, What's a hoochie-coochie, though? That's a fat puss. Is it? Yeah. It's hotter than a hoochie-coochie. A big old fat puss in some Makes jeans. Sense. Like a 95-degree Atlanta day with a big fat muff and some pants. <laughs> I thought it was like some type of big-ass catfish. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, how's the fucking... I like Alan Jackson because he's into consent. I can't remember how it's stupid lyric goes, though. He's like, uh, Fogged up the windows of my old Chevy. I was a willing, but she wasn't ready. So I settled for a burger and a straight and a grape snow cone. Dropped her off early, but I didn't go home. And he sure didn't because he got snatched up by John Wayne goddamn Gacy. The following day... The police found his Pontiac with the boy missing. So that's another missing person in the area that they've got an eye on. January 20th, 1977, John Sizzik, 19, vanished. He had driven off in his 1971 Plymouth satellite and was never seen alive again. An interesting fact about the short time that Sizzik disappeared, another teenager was picked up by the cops in a 1971 Plymouth satellite trying to bail on getting gas without paying. The boy said that the man he lived with could explain the situation. Who do you think the man was? Fucking JWG, man. He told the officers (laughs) that John Sizzik and, uh, you know, the police went and talked to John Wayne right away. Why has he had this dead kid's car or the missing kid's car? John Wayne told officers that John Sizzik had sold him the car some time ago and police never checked the title, which had been signed 18 days after his disappearance. And Sisnick hadn't worked for PDM contractors. 
he just knew Gregory Godzik, Johnny Budkovich, and then, of course, John Wayne Gacy. We got to get WWJG. Wait, JWGD. What would John Wayne John, John Wayne Gacy, Gacy do? do? Braceless, dude. No, we shouldn't because he would <laughs> fucking torture fuck kids and kill them. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> That's you're what right. he would do. September 15, 1977, Robert Gilroy, 18 years old, had disappeared. He was an avid outdoorsman, and that particular day he was supposed to catch a bus to meet friends for horseback riding out in the country. When he never showed up, his father, who was a Chicago police sergeant, immediately began searching for the boy. And a full-scale investigation was launched, and they combed the city for this cop's son. Never found him. Well, they found him, but you know what I'm saying. Hmm. Gacy's web of secrets began to unravel with the vanishing of a young boy named Robert Peast. Robert was 15. He disappeared mysteriously just outside of the doors of a pharmacy where he worked. His mother, who had come to pick him up after his shift, was waiting outside for him when he vanished. He had told her he would be back in just a minute, and she worried when more time passed. Her worry finally turned to terror as she searched the pharmacy, looked outside, but Robert was nowhere to be seen. Three hours after his disappearance, the Des Plaines police were notified, and Lieutenant Joseph Kozensack led the investigation. The first lead to follow, the most obvious one, and officers quickly obtained the name of the contractor who had offered Robert the job. Oh, man, I fucked that whole thing up. I wrote it and then fucked it up. Um, How do I backtrack that? So Robert, who was working at a pharmacy, had been approached by a fat shit who said, hey, how much are you making at this pharmacy? Robert told him. John Wayne said, well, I'll pay you a lot more than that if you want to come work for me. Get your hands dirty. Do a man's job. So police follow up the lead, and his mother knew about the entire situation. They went straight to Gacy's home. When Gacy came to the door, they told Gacy about the missing boy. Then he asked him, then he asked Gacy to accompany him to the police station for some questions. Gacy refused and said he would come down later. He was busy right now. Hours later, Gacy arrived and gave a statement to police. He said he knew nothing about the disappearance, and the police allowed him to leave with no further questioning. Wow. Good police work. <laughs> <laughs> Something about Gacy did not sit right with Kosnesack. And uh, I, I, I do this every time. I say somebody's name that's a weird fucking name one way, and then I say it a different way. Kosnesack, the police officer. We're clear. <laughs> Kosnesack. Kosnesack. Though, and he decided to... Well, it's just a weird name. That's that Polish shit. That's like... They're always like a... Shit. Zach. Snacks. I think snack. it's like whenever somebody turns you on, they're causing sack. <laughs> uh, you filling up those old boys with pups? Yeah, man. Uh, hey, dear. Uh, got a weird feeling down there. Causing sack to fill up. You better drain her up. All right, dear? You got a coin stuck and empty out this old coin place. <laughs> you fucking ready? Causing sack to fill up with cum, you got a causing sack to drain out to cum. You know what I mean? So something about Gacy did not sit right with causing sack, and he decided to do a background check on Gacy. He was stunned when he discovered Gacy had earlier done time for sodomy with a teenage boy. 
Then he obtained a search warrant for Gacy's house and on December 13, 1978, it all started to fall the hell apart for John Wayne Gacy as a legion of police officers entered the house on Summerdale Avenue. Gacy wasn't home at the time. As they pillaged the house, some items that were terrifying to police were found. They found shit like a box containing two driver's licenses, several rings, including one that was engraved with Maine West High School class of 1975 and the initials J.A.S. They found a box containing marijuana and pills like amyl nitrate, a stained section of a rug, a number of books with homosexual and child pornography themes, a pair of handcuffs, police badges, sexual devices, and a hypodermic needle and small brown bottle. Clothing that was way too small for fat-ass Gacy, nylon rope, and several other creepy items. The police also confiscated three automobiles that belonged to Gacy, including a 1978 Chevrolet truck with a snowplow attached and the name PDM Contractors on the side, a van with PDM Contractors also painted on the side, and a 1979 Oldsmobile Delta 88 in the trunk of the car were pieces of hair that later matched to Robert Priest. As the investigation continued, police entered the crawl space under Gacy's home. They were discouraged by the rancid owner, but they believed it to be sewage. And they believed that because they had gone back and checked the different hardware stores where they had sold several pounds of lime. And of course, Gacy came up as doing that. And what he told the people at the store is that he had a bad sewage backup problem. So he was covering up the sewage smell with lime. Classic John Wayne Gacy fuckery trying to manipulate people. And he gave himself a total out by telling everyone in town that he had sewage problems. So he was constantly digging for pipes, constantly buying new equipment to dig for pipes, constantly buying lime to cover up the smell, constantly buying concrete to fill in holes down there. The earth in the crawl space had been sprinkled with lime, but appeared to have been untouched. They left the narrow space and returned to police headquarters to run tests on the evidence they had obtained. Gacy was again called to headquarters and was told about the evidence that had been removed from his house. Pissed as hell. Loses his mind. Immediately contacts his attorney. The attorney tells him to not sign the Miranda waiver that was presented to him by the detectives. And then the police had no actual cause to arrest him and eventually released him even after more questioning on the pieced disappearance, which is the hair that they found on his car. They placed him under 24-hour surveillance, but that was the best they could do. And when they surveilled John Wayne Gacy, he was completely aware of it. He knew that there was cars trailing him. He knew the police were outside of his house. And like BTK and several other serial killers that have been, loves the cops. That type of guy that would love to be a big manly servant of the law, public servant guy, knows how to climb the charts, knows how to talk to cops. Knows how to make friends with those people. What does they do with being in power? Exactly. Yes. That's, a, that's the identity, man. Right. Being in power. That would be a perfect job for someone like John McGacy. Could definitely have taken that road. Yep. So he, the cops that are trailing him, he's talking to him, being their friends. He's going out to drink with them. He's giving them food, asking them if they want to come in for dinner. Real buddy buddy with him. Tells them, oh, yeah, you know, I understand you got to follow me around. The whole thing's terrible. All that dumb shit. Trying to manipulate the cops. Thinks that if he can make friends with the cops, he can slide his way out of it. While the investigation's going on, one of the... Fr- uh, I might have just fucked something up. 
yeah, so he's talking to the cops all the time. Um, as it's all coming together, some of John Wayne Gacy's friends were called to the station and questioned. The detectives were unable to get any information from Gacy's friends that connected him to Robert Peace, who was the only person they had evidence from the hair. All of them insisted that Gacy was simply not capable of murder. And that's his manipulative side. In fact, uh, I got an interesting story that I found online about uh, John Wayne Gacy going out with some of his friends and ha- the way that they thought of him. Um, before Robert Peace disappeared, they had gone out for some type of weird party. It was a pre-Christmas party. It was on December 2nd, 1978. They hired a well-known local psychic, Florence Branson, and she was supposed to do tarot card readings for the guests. The party was held at a home of a contractor associate of the Gacy's, and Gacy was one of the many people in attendance. The evening was almost over. Everybody had their turn, and then it was finally time for Gacy to have his fortune told. Up to this point, the party and the readings have been going well. Everyone was having a ton of fun, including the psychic, because she's just doing tarot card readings, telling people, oh, your future's going to be so great. I'm an old Polish lady looking at the cards here. Then Gacy (laughs) approached her for the reading. As soon as he spoke to her, Florence would report that she sensed something was very wrong with the man. She also said that she became physically ill when she laid out his cards. And that was noted by several guests. She vomited and was sweating. And this is before any of this came out about Gacy. She was unable to discern any details, but knew right away there was an evil hiding below the surface of the man. She bluffed her way through the reading because she was much too frightened to say anything to Gacy. At the end of the evening, she thought that she needed to speak to the hostess about her horrific impressions of Gacy, verified by the hostess. She told her what she had sensed and added that she was afraid of him and that Gacy was perverted and violent. The hostess refused to hear what she was saying as John had been a family friend for several years. The psychic didn't argue with her but was not surprised that a few months later, Gacy and his murderous crime spree made the papers. Wow. That's cool, man. I never even, I mean, that's cool. Yeah, I mean, you know, I don't necessarily believe psychic, but I think if you're doing that whole scam, or if it's not a scam to you and you're in tune with that type of shit, I get vibes off people, you know? I think you could definitely pick up on someone's sketchy-ass vibes. For sure. Easily. Um, But yeah, as friends, that's just an example. Totally back him up all the time. Uh, One of the friends that police talked to uh, Gacy asked to stop by his house to go check on his dog. He wanted to make sure that his dog had enough food and water. Classic dog sitting situation. Hey, I'm going to be out of town. Can you come check on my pup? Gacy said that he didn't want to go in there. What the, oh, Gacy told police that the friend didn't want to go in there because the police were harassing him and trying to pin the crime on Gacy. The friend agreed. That's why he didn't want to go home. You know what I'm saying? Does that make sense? Like he's not out of town. This is what happens when I drink, buddy. I get all tongue-tied. It's okay. It's coming to the end. <laughs> yeah, the last time I skipped the whole page. I'm trying to be cool about it. Sorry, folks. I'm going to tie it all together here. While the investigation is going on, one of Gacy's friends was asked by Gacy to stop by Gacy's house. Gacy wasn't going to his house because he didn't want to be harassed by the cops, and they were trying to pin this crime on him. His friend totally trusted Gacy, borrowed a key from Gacy, went to his home, which is, of course, the 8213 West Somerdale address, he was nervous about being seen going into Gacy's house, sure that Gacy hadn't committed a crime but did not want to be involved in the whole thing, went around to the back door instead. His friend put the key into the door lock, and just as he started to turn it, 
He claims what he heard was a group of people moaning and crying inside of the house. He told police the groans were so chilling he immediately closed the door, relocked it, and left. Hurried away from the house, and when he returned to the site where Gacy was working, lied to him and told him everything was fine in the house, including the dog. Now, of course, there's no way to know if the sounds the man heard in the house were natural, like a victim or something, or some fucking ghost kids trying to come out of the grave. Definitely possible that one of Gacy's victims was still alive and his eerie cries sounded like the chorus of moans of his already unnerved friends, uh, which seems very unlikely, of course, but definitely can't discount a bunch of dead kids in a house if there was to be some type of negative energy and just being creeped out. You know, police told you this man is quite possibly responsible for several missing kids. We can't prove it yet. But uh, very possible that he got creeped out by some ghost kids spooking around the house. You know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. That's cool. <laughs> yeah. I try to pep it up. You know what I'm saying? Um, the investigation kept going with John Wayne Gacy. And police were getting pissed off because, again, they're not thoroughly searching the crawl space. They just go down there. And the only thing they see abnormal is that there's a coat of lime all over the place. Which he says is because of bad sewage lines. And it stinks. So it, it adds up. It's not like there's freshly dug spots they haven't talked to old Crammy yet, so they don't know that he's been cramming holes full of junk in the basement, or they don't know that he's been doing any work on the house at all. He keeps it nice and clean down there, except for the god-awful smell. And they're trying to get information from his friends and acquaintances. They're getting mad because they're not giving him any, but on top of that, they don't have any information to give him because Gacy's kept this wrapped up so well. And finally, say, fuck it, we're going to take this guy in. And they caught him with that pot, so that's what they arrest him on. The pot that they had found weeks ago. Now, Gacy's being charged with possession, and the police lab and investigators are coming up with more evidence against Gacy from items taken from his home. One of the rings that was found belonged to another teenager who had disappeared about a year earlier, John Sizik. They also discovered that three former employees of Gacy's had disappeared. On top of that, a receipt for a roll of film that was found in Gacy's home had belonged to a co-worker of Robert Peast, and he had given it to Robert on the day of his disappearance. With this new information, the investigators suddenly began to realize the enormity of the case that was starting to unfold. Detectives and crime lab technicians returned to Gacy's house again. With everything starting to crumble around him, Gacy finally confessed to the police that he had killed someone, but it had been in self-defense. He said that he was frightened and had buried the body under his garage. He told the police where they could find the body, and investigators marked a gravesite in the garage, but not, did not immediately begin digging. They decided to search the crawl space first, and right after they started digging, they found the remains of the first corpse. A sausage will fucking slow you down. You don't want to do nothing. Yeah, you know, uh, here's what he told us, guys. He said that he buried a body under the garage there. We got about four or five layers of concrete there. And uh, we just came from Maxwell Street eating a pole of sausages down there. You know, there. after a couple of fucking pitches of uh, old style, you know, and the extra fries that they yeah, gave us. Yeah, that's correct. They said they was going to give us a serving. They gave us five servings that of fries. That is the way they do fries in the Chicago land area. My goddamn hot. It sounded like a fucking college water it's bomb. It's definitely thumping there. I was fucking going, oh, God, this is crazy. And then I just said, oh, well, we'll just mark it. And, you know, fuck it. Yeah, well, you know, check the crawl space. That's probably a little bit easier to dig it out there. 
The same evening, Dr. Robert Stein, the Cook County medical examiner, was called in to help identify bodies in the investigation. He began to organize the search by marking off areas of earth in sections as would be done with an archaeological site. The evacuation of a decomposing body has to be carried out in a meticulous manner in order to preserve the integrity of the evidence. And so throughout the night and the days that followed, the digging progressed under Dr. Robert Stein's supervision. On Friday, December 22nd, 1978, detectives confronted Gacy with the news that the digging was being done under his house. With this... John Wayne finally broke down and confessed to police that he had killed at least 30 people, that most of their remains were buried under his house. The first murder took place in January of 1972 and the second January of 1974, about a year and a half after he was married. He explained that he had lured his victims into being handcuffed and he would sexually assault them to muffle their screams, Gacy stuffed a sock or their underwear into their mouths and used his preferred method of placing a rope or a board against their throats and then making a homemade tourniquet. He also admitted sometimes keeping the corpses under his bed or in his attic for up to days to abuse them before he put them in the crawl space. Whew. That's a lot to unpack there, man. That's why it probably took him two to three weeks before you go kill because he wanted to torture. Yeah, well, they were dead, and he was just necroing it up, I guess, man, abusing yeah. them bodies. Whew. This is similar to alcoholism and drug addiction. Addicted to killing, torture, mm-hmm. necrophilia? Yeah. I would assume so. I mean, it triggers dopamine, I'm certain. Yeah. You know, if you do something sketchy and someone's about to catch you, you get that tingly feeling all over your body. Man, I can't even imagine in this particular scenario what type of weird... Out of body experience. You get that stealing beers. That's how I mean, just steal <laughs> beers, dude. <laughs> yeah, man. That's all you need to do. Don't kill people. Just steal a cool six. Yeah. Hey man, you remember that one time and now this is shit that me and Buddy did when we were kids. You know what I mean? We were morons. But you remember that one time we were hammered drunk and I went into that gas station to steal a six pack? I put it under my jacket. <laughs> so obviously and a fucking beer fell out of it. <laughs> and the gas station guy was like, He's stealing beers. And I try to be cool about it and just pick it up and put it on the counter and go, just kidding. <laughs> yeah, Meanwhile, would... our buddy had a 30-pack and he's running out the back door. Yeah, man. That's how you do the old distract. <laughs> Meanwhile, the police discovered two bodies during the first day of digging. One of them was John Butkovich, who was one of <laughs> God damn it. He was under the garage and the other was in the crawl space. As the days passed, of course, the body count grew higher. Some of the victims were found with their underwear still lodged in their throat and others were buried so close together that investigators believe they had been killed or at least buried at the same time. Very likely a fresh kill and one that he had been creeping around with a dead body at the top of his house had merged together. By December 28th, police had removed a total of 27 bodies from Gacy's house. Another body had also been found weeks earlier, not in the crawl space, but in the deep plains river. The naked corpse of Frank Wayne Landigan, also known as Dale. How the fuck do you get Dale out of Frank Wayne? I mean, when, when was fucking Dale Earnhardt Jr. racing cars? Back then, probably. Ah, no, I don't think so. Dale Earnhardt Jr. is racing today. Dale Earnhardt was the 90s, I'm, well, I I'm saying no. Senior was the 90s, dude. Senior was like... Dude, he was a 90s guy. He, he was Garth... Okay, think about it. Garth Brooks, George Strait, 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dale Earnhardt. All right. All synonymous. Makes That's sense, the 90s. Man. He's Makes a sense. Yeah, exactly. He's a 90s racer. Uh, but yeah, how do you get... Frank Wayne is Dale short for Wayne? Is Dale a Wayne? What the fuck, man? That's anyway. a, man. <laughs> hey, Rednecks. We, yeah, we named you Frank Wayne, but fuck, we're calling you Dale. That's yeah. three first names. Frank, Wayne, Dale. That's you, buddy. Land Glenn had been found in the water, but at this time, police were not yet aware of Gacy and his crimes. It would not be until his driver's license was found in Gacy's house that he could be connected to the young man's murder, and he would not be the only victim found in the river, which made a really confusing path for police because Gacy's copping to the murders in his crawl space, several other missing kids, several other found murders with no way to link him to Gacy necessarily. Now, did he have an accomplice? That's definitely one theory that needs to be explored. You'll remember the Ripper crew that we did in Chicago. Yeah. Definitely very possible that that kid was helping him kill people. Very possible that other kids were helping him kill people. He was part of his uh, crew, wasn't he? His, His fucking business. Yes, he worked for him, and he wasn't killed by him. And he was supposedly self-admitted had survived an advance by a murderous John Wayne Gacy. So there's also, I think you just said this, but I'm fucking totally tarted out. But I think there's a possibility that they said that he, he helped that there's somebody that helped John Wayne Gacy. Yeah. To be able to do some of these that murders. is what I'm saying. Exactly. Okay. There, yeah, yeah. That there very likely was an accomplice. So very hard to start pinning down what did and didn't happen again. Excellent liar. Excellent liar. Part of being a top tier liar. Psychopath. So this is where the lines will start getting blurred between fiction and reality. Now, of course, to the horror of the neighbors, the police were still excavating Gacy's property at the end of February. Three months had been gone by. They had gutted the house, but had found no more bodies in the crawl space. And it was a shit ass winter in Chicago and all that cold weather kept them from resuming the search, but they believed that there were still more bodies to be found because Gacy said that there was at least 30. While workmen began breaking up the concrete of Gacy's patio, another horrific discovery was made. They found the body of a man still in good condition preserved in the concrete the following week. Another body was found. The 31st victim to be linked to Gacy was found in the Illinois River investigators were able to search his identity thanks to the tattoo on his arm, which friends and the victim's father recognized while reading a newspaper article about the grim discovery. The victim's name was Timothy O'Rourke, who was believed to have been acquainted with Gacy and definitely acquainted with the dude from the Ripper crew. Around that time, O'Rourke was discovered and pulled from the river. Another body was found on Gacy's property, this time beneath his recreation room, it was the last body to be found on the property, and soon after, the house was completely destroyed and turned to rubble. Although the death toll had now risen to 32, the body of Robert Peast was still missing. Tragically, his remains were discovered again in the Illinois River, April of 1979. The body had been lodged somewhere in the river, but strong winds had worked it loose and carried it to the locks at Dredson Dam, where it was finally discovered. An autopsy report showed that Robert had been strangled by paper towels being shoved down his throat. So this was an opportunity murder. Police investigators worked hard to identify Gacy's victims using dental records and other clues. Eventually, all but nine of the young men were identified. A mass burial was held for the unknown victims on June 8th, 1981, and the investigation had ended, but Gacy's trial 
was just beginning in 1981, and that's where we're going to go next week. So we're going to get way more details. We're going to talk about the trial. We're going to talk about interviews with John Wayne Gacy and really eclipse what we just talked about with some ridiculous details about what crazy shit this goofy clown fuck was into. Wow. Hell of an episode. I mean, man, I thought I knew a lot about this, man, but uh, I th- the, the terror car reading thing blew my mind. That was a uh, sneak detail. That was pretty cool. Did some digging. Oh, we got to thank the patrons. Yeah. Cool crew. We talked about them up top. These are people that have been donating to us. They all have for a while. We appreciate it so much. We got shirts on the way. Don't have an exact date for them, but we're looking forward to get them out to you guys who have been supporting us for forever. Of course, we got old Bobby Henderson. We got big old Matt Mess. We got the Bradshaws, Ryan Parker. Fucking hell. Uh, I blew it. You blew it? You forgot? Yeah, I just forgot the names. There's a lot more. Uh, Gen- Jennifer Vale. Th- there's a ton of people. There's like 15 more. But we have a certain tier where we do a definite shout-outs. But sometimes I like to run through everybody. But that's our definites of people who are on that high tier. But- I do I do want to give a shout-out to our buddy through PayPal. Yeah. Um, he's a long... Me and him met in fourth grade. He's actually one Ooh. of the reasons why I got into metal. Oh. My friend Walker Bird. Thanks, Walker. Walker is a cool motherfucker. Very generous. We sat outside of fourth grade in recess with my friend Ben, and uh, he was like, you got to listen to Black Metal, or you got to listen to the Black Album by Metallica, and then I was like, this is pretty cool. And then it turned into fucking me listening to all kinds of extreme shit, but um, dudes, man, his mom made cinnamon rolls and talked to us about sex. Whoa. Yeah, it was was crazy. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. He's a good buddy of mine, man. His dad's cool as fuck. His mom's cool as fuck. Yeah. Walker, man, thank you very much. Thank all the other patrons. You guys have helped us out tremendously. Again, there's tears on there. If you'd like to hear your name shouted out, you can get on there, and we'll certainly give you a call like this every week. Different bonus things we have for you there over at patreon.com backslash deathmetaldicks. Find us on any social media if you want to add me, follow me, whatever. Instagram, smells like Teen Chris, Facebook. K-R-I-S-T-O-F-E-R-M Pierce. Of course, Buddy Lloyd is just how it sounds, but one L on Lloyd. On Instagram, you can find him as LloydHaveMercy666. Uh, we have a Twitter, and we don't use it. You can follow that for no reason at all. Yeah, I don't. <laughs> yeah Twitter sucks, man. I fucked it up, Facebook man. sucks, too. But if you also want to uh, jump in that Facebook group, that'd be real cool. That's a fun way yeah. to connect with us. And now we got a real sweet setup on YouTube, so if you're not watching... YouTube, that all comes out under Cantankerous Media Group, which is our producer, Marks. And also, I make a playlist on uh, on our official YouTube, too. So, yeah, subscribe to both. Sure, yeah. Get a feel. We also we got a record review coming down the pipe this week. Uh, we've done several record reviews, several interviews. So, you can find all types of stuff on YouTube everywhere. We're trying our best to take over media. We'll see you guys next week with the trial. An error of John Wayne Gacy. Shout out to Satan this week, as always. Always. If you uh, have Satan in your heart, what you do is you have absolute self-belief. You recognize that the flesh is the flesh, and you can use it to accomplish anything. And you should do it in an honest way by working hard and controlling every small detail in your life. Because anything that you can control, if you do control it and you will that into a bigger picture, it's easy to make happen. If you've got something that you've been thinking about doing for years, you got a grand plan, 
You want to be a stand-up comedian. You want to be a movie star. You want to have a huge band. You want to do a podcast. Listen, they're all obtainable. They sound unrealistic, but all you got to do is start nipping down self-control, discipline, all the small details in your life. Do what thy will is the whole of the law. Exactly. Make yourself what you want to be. Serve Satan. We will see you guys next week. We love you. Thanks for listening.